and welcome to what is bound to be an interesting episode of I Hate Musicals, the podcast. I'm Megan the Hater. I'm Kyle the Historian. I'm Chantal, and I was alive when Cat in the Hat Live was in theaters, and Michael Myers' cat gave me nightmares. Also, tag yourself, I am the thing, too. Uh, I don't know how to respond to that. Um... Um... (laughs) Okay. Wow. <laughs> long-winded. It's a long-winded. So with that beautiful it's a long-winded segue, um, my God, uh, today we are going to be discussing. This book is all that I need. How to, how to succeed. How to succeed in business without really trying mm, kyle just take this do the thing my god i will uh so how to succeed in business without really trying is based off a satirical book of the same name written by shepherd mead in 1952 is it satire uh, or if it's just bad it was at the time but we'll get it okay. um <laughs> i see it was uh, turned into a musical by Frank Lesser uh, with a book by Abe Burroughs, Jack Weinstock, and Willie Gilbert. Uh, the, it, let's see here. It uh, opened on October in, of 1961 at the 46th Street Theater on Broadway. It ran for a whopping 1,417 performances, finally closing on March 6th, 1965. The Mother of God. Yeah. Uh, while it was running in New York and also moved over to the West End, uh, the Shaftesbury Theater, it opened on March 28th of 1963, and there it ran for 520 performances. Um, the original pro- both original productions were directed by Burroughs and were choreographed by an up-and-coming choreographer, Bob Fosse. Fosse. Who? Bob Fosse. <laughs> oh my god, Fosse. Um, yeah, indents, hip indents. Mm, mm. mm-hmm. There's a lot of hip indents. <laughs> my uh, god. It received its first Broadway revival in 1995 uh, at the Richard Rogers Theatre. Um, opening on March 23rd of 1995 and played for another 548 performances, closing in July 14th of 1996. Uh, this is was a fairly the Matthew Broderick one. That is the Matthew Broderick okay. one, also okay. starring Megan Mullally before oh, she became Karen. It. Before she became Karen Walker, uh, and then it received its second Broadway revival because for some reason they thought that was enough. Uh, in 2011, starring Daniel Radcliffe, also which known we will Mary be discussing, discussing yeah. at um, length. We have thoughts. Also, it we starred <laughs> the Broadway debut of John Larroquette as J.B. Bigley, who won a Tony. Speaking of Tonys, the original production was nominated for a whopping eight Tonys and won seven of them. Okay, quick question. Why? I'm sorry. I just have a quick cue. What was what was out that year? I feel like there was better stuff. There yeah. were, in fact. It won against Carnival by Bob Merrill. It won against No Strings by Sam Taylor and Richard Rogers. And it won against Milk and Honey by Donna Pell and Jerry Herman. How it beat Milk and Honey, I will never know. <laughs> I- I, what? 
Mm-hmm. We love a good stunt cast. Yes. Yeah. No, we yeah. don't. I, I know. I know. I'm being yeah, facetious. It, it I can't even that. pretend. It won best musical, best author, so best writer oh. in the book, best actor in a lead performance with Robert Morse is uh, uh, J. Pierpont Finch. It won best featured as Charles Nelson Riley for J.B. Bigley. Abe Burroughs won Best Direction of a Musical. It was one Best Producer, and it also won Best Music Director. So I'm assuming the Tony Committee was just all old white, white dudes because that, like, that has to be why because it's a musical about old white dudes. In 1995, it was nominated for four Tonys. It only won one, and that was Matthew Broderick in the leading actor role. Well, he could read the newspaper and get a Tony, so. <laughs> Which I would gladly sit and listen. And the, 20, <laughs> and the 2011 revival won a Tony for Jonathan Lar- La- John Larroquette as J.B. Bigley. Yeah. And yeah, to make yeah. matters worse, won the 1962 Pulitzer Prize for Drama. Exciting, excuse me? What? The 1962 Pulitzer Prize for Drama. If memory Why? serves, it was the third musical to do that. Uh, Why? Two years prior was Fiorello, and in 1950 it was South Pacific. Tides have changed. <laughs> Sorry, I'm in a weird mood. <laughs> yep. I yep, think, yep, yep. I, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. I get well, okay. I don't understand. Well, it's the is product the... of its time, but we'll get into it, you know? The... It is. I know, I know. <gasps> Sorry, continue. I have never... Okay, go ahead. Just, just so, finish. Why are we up in arms about this? Well, let's talk about the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we start meeting a young window washer named J. Pierpont Finch. Stupid he tells name. us his name every chance he gets. And he's reading the book, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. There is um, a voice actor who does the book voice. Um, and it's actually usually a very popular actor at the time. Um, the original production, it was Carl Princi, uh, who was a radio announcer. In both the first Broadway revival and the U.S. national tour, it was Walter Cronkite. And in the most recent revival, it was Anderson Cooper. (laughs) Not Anderson Cooper. (laughs) What? Not Anderson Cooper, no. Really? Wow. So with this book in tow, he enters the worldwide wicket company searching for a job. He purposely runs into the president of the company, J.B. Bigley, and dismisses him to the personnel manager, Mr. Bratt. Um, a young secretary, Rosemary uh, Pilkington, oh. sees him and immediately falls in love and tells her friend Smitty that that's going to be your husband and he's going to be successful. <sighs> so Finch starts manipulating people right away and tells Mr. Bratt in personnel that uh, Bigley sent him down there. So he's given a job in the mailroom where he works with Bigley's lazy, arrogant, and nepotent minded nephew, Bud Frump. Well, while that's happening, Rosemary has her early I Want song called Happy to Keep His Dinner Warm. <sighs> uh, the fatigued workers rush into the break room for a song called Coffee Break. Best song of the show. Agreed. Um, we'll get Finch, to it. Yeah. Finch earns some favor in the mailroom with Mr. Twimble, who's the longtime head. 
Where are these names coming from? I just... 1962. That's where these names are coming from. <laughs> Great. Continue. So, uh, Twimble is finally promoted to the head of shipping department and wants Finch to replace him. Finch reads the book and realizes that Twimble took 25 years to get promoted to the head of the mailroom and recommends Bud Frump be the person instead, winning favor of both folks. Because of Finch's self-awareness, Brad offers him a job as a junior executive in the plans and systems department, headed by a Mr. Gatch. At that point, an ex I'll just read her description. An extremely attracted but airheaded woman named Hetty LaRue, who is <gasps> Mr. Bigley's secret mistress, is hired as a secretary. Jesus fucking fuck Christ fuck. We are in it now. <laughs> On her first day of work, all of the men are instantly attracted to her, but Mr. Bratt decides to lead them in a song called A Secretary is Not a Toy. <sighs> I'm going to just take a drink here. Um, I will. I can't do this show sober, so I've got some vodka. Yep, take a, take a, take a little ship, babe. Uh, take a ship. Mother. Oh God, does anybody just have a whole cake they're not eating? <laughs> so I would so, like to just plant my face in it. After this song, uh, Mr. Bigley's Finch Lung runs into Mr. Bigley's secretary, Miss Jones, who is a very loud, brash woman. And he earns her favor early on. Uh, he <sighs> learns about Old Ivy, Bigley's college. Oh, who cares? <laughs> yeah, that'll that'll be important. Uh, they get to the elevator at the end of the workday, and Rosemary's fellow secretary, Smitty, who is the best character in the show, uh, sets up a date with her and Finch. Meanwhile, Frump runs into Bigley and Hetty and realizes their relationship and starts blackmailing Bigley into giving him a promotion, trying to rise just as quickly as Finch. So uh, we start progressing to the story. Um, Finch starts staging things like he stayed late at the office and now he's knitting, which Bigley secretly does. And they share a song, the grand old Ivy fight song. So Bigley insists that Finch be given his own office in the secretary with Hetty. Um, Finch sends Hetty to work for Mr. Gatch, who knows that Gatch will make a pass at her and he gets himself transferred to Venezuela and Finch is promoted to his position. I don't know about you, but that's that's clearly feminism is. <laughs> clearly. He's the good guy. So there's going to be this big department, this big party that is bringing in this new advertising vice president. And Rosemary is going to impress Finch with a brand new Paris original dress that every single woman is wearing. That is my favorite song in the show and my favorite scene. I die every time. Um, all the women are wearing the same dress. Hetty walks in in the same dress and then everyone notices the dress. Um, as they, uh, Frump tries to set Finch up and sends him with LaRue to uh, Bigley's office. Hetty kisses him and suddenly he, re he realizes he's in love with Rosemary. Wow. That's what happened. How fucking romantic. Somehow oh. this backfires and it's outed that the new vice president of advertisement is a chipmunk, the rival of old Ivy. 
and names Finch as vice president in charge of advertisement, which the book declares is the worst role to have because you will almost certainly get fired. End of act one. I just, oh. oh, God. So uh, two days later, Rosemary has been neglected by Finch and she decides to quit. And the fellow secretaries convince her to stay because she's living the dream of marrying an executive. Uh, Book warns Finch again that it's a bad position and needs a brilliant idea. Bud tries to sink Finch by slipping him a treasure hunt idea that Bigley has already trashed and hated. So he shares it with Rosemary and they kind of alter it a little bit to make it better. Rosemary says she's leaving, or Hetty tells Bigley that she's leaving and she's unhappy, and he begs her to stay. And they have a weird love song that is just creepy. Um, In the executive washroom, Finch gives himself a pep talk, the um, iconic song of the show, I Believe in You, while all the other men plot against him. Finch presents his idea to Bigley about a 5,000 share of company stock hidden in 10 offices around the country. And he says it will be with the worldwide wicked treasure girl, Miss Hetty LaRue. So he only, he doesn't tell anyone the location of it except for himself and Bigley. At the last second, they decide to have Hetty swear on a Bible that she doesn't know the location of the prize, which Bigley has slipped to her. So she uh, leaks it to the whole country live on national television. So he goes to how to how to handle a disaster in the book, and it says what we can uh, best suggest if you're caught in a disaster is review the first chapter of this book, how to apply for a job. So he brings in the chairman of the board, Willie Womper, and they start talking about um, Finch's resignation. And he somehow manages to negotiate with everyone that they are this brotherhood of man and that everyone's job is going to be spared except for Bud Frump because he is Bigley's nephew. Bigley remains the president and Womper, yeah, Wally Womper decides to travel the world with his new wife, Hedy LaRue, and Finch becomes chairman of the board with Rosemary at his side, who encourages him to run for president of the United States. What the fuck? (laughs) It explains so much. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, no. (laughs) 19 Pulitzer Prize winner for drama. Should have won for tragedy. Okay. Oh, shit. I just... Oh. Yeah, it's it's satire, right? It's supposed to make fun. That's what they keep saying. It is satire. However, satire is supposed to be funny. Well, it's supposed to be funny, and it's it's supposed to be the voice of the oppressed making fun of those in charge, and instead, all we see are white, powerful dudes abusing everybody left and right. Yeah, such a great show. All right, all right, okay, all right. Chantel wants to read it clearly. I want to throw this in the ocean. All right, um, yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into this music. I want to let's talk about this. Oh, I mean, I want to look at it in a very broad lens. Um, okay, (laughs) this is my first, my first, there's a lot of thoughts happening. This is my first thoughts about just the music. It's so. 
for such complex business issues, the music does not significant, like does not show any of it. It is very it's camp. It's just camp. But it's not like a good camp where it's like no Book of Mormon or Avenue Q or um or even uh, nine to five, you know, where it shows the business oh life, God. but it's but in an interesting manner. While watching the show, I was like, this is boring. <laughs> this is boring. You know, it's very, it's very trivial. And even in the chord progressions, it's just so simple. Like you can be simple, but still have catchy lyrics that make it really pop out. But if you really look into the meaning of the lyrics, they're kind of sexist and not okay. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk about some of these fucking songs. I have four standouts that I hate. Okay. And one that I think is silly um i will let's start with the shit songs yeah let's go. um so the top four that make me want to gouge my eyes out oedipus style mm-hmm. are oh, happy shit. to keep his dinner warm mm-hmm. uh secretary is not a toy yep love from a heart of gold which is the weirdest fucking and brotherhood of man Mm-hmm. Those are my top four hate songs. Um, but okay. Oh boy, let's start with it. Happy to Keep His Dinner Warm. I'll be there waiting until his mind is clear while he looks through me, right through me, waiting to say good evening, dear. I'm pregnant. What's new with you from downtown? perfectly understandable neglect rosemary has so much potential to go beyond what she is which is agencyless it's it's not about her and that becomes super super clear in this song it's literally about her wanting to be you know her purpose is to uplift him jay pierpont whatever the fuck his name is you know and there's a there's a reprise there's a reprise i i what she has anyway i'll get into more of that later next a secretary is not a toy speaking but but the like it's all like oh don't don't do all this well like don't do this that and the other thing to secretary don't honk them don't bonk bonk them don't beep them whatever the fuck they're saying and then but but the way that they're singing it is like humana humana drool uh a A secretary is not a pet nor an erect a set it happened to charlie mccoy boy they fired him like a shot the day the fella forgot a secretary is not a toy you know let's just examine those first lyrics yeah i was about a secretary to is not a toy no my boy not a toy to fondle and dandle and placefully handle mm. in search of some puerile joy mm-hmm. no a secretary is not definitely not a toy why yeah. does this have to be said um yeah. i think it's like a it's it, yeah, it, the way it. the versions i've seen it seems like he, that guy is talking himself down 
like it's not it's not a toy it's not a toy yeah, i don't want to no, touch yeah. it i don't want to uh, you know no it's very much it is it's very much like gross. that because I also looked, I looked at the movie version as as well, and compared it with the with the Broadway version. And like regarding with the dancing wise, it's very much of the guys are like, we are ogling, we are ogling, mm-hmm. we are ogling, but we're saying we're not. Oh, we're not touching. We're not touching. So that's okay. But yeah. I'm gonna just like you know, yeah, un- undress this weird. poor woman with my eyes every time she walks into my fucking office to hand me a memo, like. Yeah, hearing this 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 line gets me a little a little like hmm. Uh, she's a highly specialized key component of operational unity, a fine and sensitive mechanism to serve the office community. I feel like, uh, you know, like, but that, they're still describing a woman as a thing. No, no, exactly. That's, that's, and that's like, my that's, yeah. That's my point. It's her. It's her job to to serve right no matter oh no but it's like it's the double it's the double entendre of ma'am it's the double entendre (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) they agree yeah sorry (laughs) shit it's the it's the it's the double meaning of the song where it's we're all like oh we know office culture they don't believe what they're singing boys will be that's that's the joke and it's like that's not that's a shitty joke get right it's it's a really shitty joke it's supposed to be funny but by today's standards this isn't a joke it's not funny no it's sexual fucking harassment and every single woman you know either has been sexually harassed at work or knows someone who has been sexually harassed at work. I've had to file three reports in the course of two weeks. It's super fun. It's not a not at my current time. job. My current job is lovely. Yeah. Good shout out. Good shout out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what was the other one that you did not like? Oh, there's two more. Um, I'm going in show order here. Love from a heart of gold. The love from a heart. Of gold. I never knew you felt that way. No one knows this, but I'm extremely emotional. God damn it, so am I. Where will I find the treasure? Like the love from a heart of gold. This is the stupidest song i have ever do you have the lyrics handy it i got you uh pulling them up right now it's between what's his name bigley and and hetty mm-hmm. and it uh, is there a specific one all of it all of it um, all of it is bad. a really bad part where will I find a treasure like the love from a heart of gold, ever trust and sweat and awaiting my pleasure, rain or shine, hot or cold? Wealth far beyond the measure, maybe here in my hands I'll hold. Of it where I will find that one treasure of treasures, the love from a heart of gold. We are selfish. And here's the thing. <laughs> Yet another song. And and this happens in that what's supposed to be like a sweet song, Rosemary. Like all of these songs are comparing women to objects. They're 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 the all of the songs that are about women are about things and not people and that's that's like the biggest thing here it, it, none of them get any agency because they're not considered people in this yeah. universe yeah and that's that's 
we'll we'll definitely talk about that more in a moment but uh moving on to the stupidest goddamn song i've ever fucking heard brotherhood of man there we're in in the, the brotherhood of man dedicated to giving all we can oh are you proud to be in that fraternity the great great brotherhood of man we Which are is- all white boys we're exactly wild. Exactly. Are, my boys. We're so all- wise. <laughs> yes. right. Yeah, I'm that's doing what it gives real me. high kicks. And what? what? And there's a woman randomly. You know, it, it like oh, oh. oh, the woman randomly. You mean Miss Jones, who is frequently portrayed as a mammy character, and it just yeah. makes me irate. Yeah, that was okay. Can I? <laughs> Oh wait, no, that's the that's the meat. Ah, damn it. Okay, we'll but, get to the meat. We'll 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 we'll, we'll but we're gonna, I, we're gonna but need I will a say, steak knife. I will say, I will say to give it some some points. <laughs> the dance scene is cool. Yeah. That's about I it. Mean, but that's fine. Oh, fast. you took my point. You took my one good point. The <laughs> dancing is amazing. The but dancing is good. Coffee well, break was cool. <laughs> Well, that is the one song I do actually like is Coffee Break because who ha- who among us who hasn't worked in an office is has has been like I fucking just need fifteen minutes and I need a coffee. I used to work for a bank and every day I would eat my lunch at my desk so that during my lunchtime I would walk out and I would go get my blueberry iced coffee from Dunkin' Donuts and I would slowly walk back and it was my time. It, it like it is that moment of sanity in that drone ass job, and it's funny. And they're all like the desperation on their faces. They just want a cup of coffee. You just give me a cup of coffee. It's it's funny and relatable, and not covered in sexism. Like she said, if I can't take my coffee break, my coffee break, my coffee break. If I can't take. Gone is the sense of enterprise. Oh, gone and something within me dies. Ooh, Thank you, Kyle. You had a you had a good good point. Good point, uh, Megan. Thank you. I don't. I mean, I'm not a coffee drinker, so there's that. And I well, I know how dare I'm you. Weird. But I'm I just that guy. song. That song is just dumb for me. <gasps> no! You were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. I just, I don't like. I get it, but at the same time, I feel like it doesn't fit where it is. I feel well, like it either needs no, to be- and that's why it's good. <laughs> I understand your point though, Kyle. I understand your point. No, no, I do too. The break from the style and the break from the from like the character of the show. The song I really like is Mm. Paris Original. And it's I just think that is so smart and so funny. Cause um Rosemary has gone out and she slipped out this afternoon. 
Um, and she's she's got this absolute thing that's going to give her sex appeal beyond endurance. And it's this irresistible <laughs> Paris original I'm wearing tonight. I'm wearing tonight, especially for him. And she's talking about how this yeah. dress is one Again, of the kind it was sold for. And like she is living and living her best life. And then another girl walks in in the same dress. Some irresponsible dress manufacturer tossed it in I'm one of a pair and I could... Oh no! This irresistible Paris original And I just, I just love how much it's like, I'm wearing tonight, she's wearing tonight, and I could spit. It takes all the niceness out, and just like, you're getting ready to watch these women brawl, and it's so uh, funny. I, but, yes. Like, it's cute, but it's, you know... Since we've I'm not, I'm not gonna, break. I'm not gonna tear down your point, Kyle, because it is cute. Since we've touched coffee break, Full and stop. since we've touched, we've touched the Paris. I will say something different. Uh, I liked, uh, I liked been a long day because of the harmonies. Are new. Oh, oh, and that's Smitty. And yeah, and Smitty's oh, yeah. the best Smitty. character. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, really like, cute. yeah, it's really cute to see like these two floundering idiots not knowing how to talk about their feelings, and Smitty just being like, just, just do it already. What, what are you? Just come on, just talk about it, just do it. Basically, she says in 1950s, "Can you two just fuck, please?" Essentially, <laughs> and, and I love how in the uh, in the Daniel Radcliffe version, they're stuck in an elevator, but more people are coming in, and Smitty is being constantly pushed towards the back, and she's like reaching atop of people, being like, "Just <laughs> do it." Oh, that's a great choice. And it's, great and, it, and it's and it's them like, getting yeah, and it's do it. And it's them getting like closer, uh, closer together, and like being like super huddled in this elevator while Smitty's like in the corner, like singing and trying to be like, "Well, come on, it's been a long day." <laughs> hey, there's a yummy Friday special at Stouffer's. It's a dollar ninety vegetable plate, and at the bottom of the ad, huh, not bad service for two. Make a bargain, make a date. <laughs> Wonderful! It's fate. Now she's thinking, what female kind of trap could I spring? And he's thinking, I might as well forget the whole thing. Now she's thinking, suppose I take his arm and he. Well, really, what's the harm? Then she says, hungry, and he says, yeah. Yeah? Yeah! Well, it's been a long day. Well, it's been a long, been a long, been a long, been a long day. So I thought that that song's really, that one is cute, and it's like, oh, you can tell that they do like each other, and there's no object permanence there. (laughs) So yeah, that's my, that's my one. 
that's that is a good one i do enjoy that and i yeah that is fair what i what makes me sad the most is that after the party and after the opening of act two smitty goes away they just let that character go and do nothing. Yeah, they just her. forget. <laughs> they just forget. Like, she, she was the best did. character in the whole show. Bring her back. <laughs> like uh, she, uh, she sets up in Act One as being like the spicy friend of Rosemary, and just like she's like, "There's gonna be a party. I'm gonna start a rumor that I'm a nymphomaniac. It's gonna be great." Oh my and god! Like, and you're like, she... "Yes, bitch, work." <laughs> Listen. Yes. Oh my god! To have any character be even a little bit sexually liberal in this is like oh well, that's my uh, if we are if we are ready to get in zimni can we please um, i can't take that's it my, that's my that's my one thing well i'm upset about a lot of things but the one thing i'm disappointed i'm not mad i'm disappointed about Ooh. rosemary is she's she's very like no i want this man and that is very odd for the time period but the way that they did it was not executed very very well it was no. I want to, uh, I want to to be the, you know, I want to be the 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 mama of everything and anything, and not a person. It, and oh. it, it could it could have been really awesome where she's like, no, I want to see you succeed as equal, <laughs> equals in this time period. <laughs> so we can't. That was a but funny joke, it, Chantel. <laughs> yeah, equals in this time period. But like, thank you, laughing at my own joke. But yeah, I just thought if they were gonna maybe go in that direction then she would have been a really cool interesting character but then she just resulted into another Stepford housewife that's boring so and it's it's one thing for women to want that it's one thing to it's it's totally fine for people to want to be that a uh, housewife that it's totally yes. fine if that's it's completely be valid even now but you don't have to do it in a way where she's just like oh, what are the lyrics of happy to keep your dinner warm it's like how's your day i'm pregnant how's yours i have fulfilled my duty by creating another human male within my body yeah. <laughs> I love well that you if she's lucky yeah if she oh man um yeah the thing is like she she has these brief moments where she does start to stand up for herself and then caves and it's like rosemary no i found i found a lyric i found a lyric oh to be loved by a man i respect to bask in the glow of his perfectly understandable neglect and there it is hey not only is that promoting uh women as as server to man uh it's also promoting the really toxic grind culture um that we're all suffering from now i don't need to be called out my therapist already did that <laughs> mine did too that's mine already did that point. today because the men never leave the office they just work and like one of the things finch does is he'll like show up on saturday to like make it look like he was working over the weekend so he can impress other people but at the same time he's in the office on the weekend when he shouldn't be right. like it, it this show I understand that it's satire. I totally get it. And what it's mm. doing is it's satirizing the office culture of post-World War II. I understand. Yeah, well, we already have Mad Men for that, so we don't need I was about anymore. to talk about Mad Men. How <laughs> freaking dare you? So much you. better. Oh, my God. How dare you? <sighs> 
listen, you took my point about the dancing. So that's true. Okay, <laughs> fine, fine. I'll give it to you. It was okay. like the dancing is good. Oh, if you're a dancer, this show, if is you are shit, excuse yeah. me, if you are a male dancer, <laughs> this, this is, mm. if um, you're a white male, this show is for you. <laughs> oh, I, there's nobody who's not white in this show. I tried to find Miss Jones. Oh, Miss Jones. Ah, sorry. Not in the version I watched. Oh, she's, she's she, she was white cast as a loud black woman. Black woman. Because oh, she's so the brash. Angry, the angry black woman trope. And then she comes in at the end and scats. Mother of God! <laughs> yep. She's the scat soloist in Brotherhood of Men. Um, hey, <laughs> let's not. Uh, and I, oop, um, I was about to talk about Mad Men, but first let me, let me, let me dissect this really, really quick. Let Please. Me just- and let me just unpack this and put on my my quick little uh, my quick little vest uh, that talks about this issue. Um, this <laughs> Kyle is, sips his vodka. <laughs> this is that's so upsetting because that's also the one thing that I uh, as we were watching the as I watched the Matthew Broderick version and Mrs. Jones's character comes out and I was like oh no they did not oh no it's no oh, no it's not a loud black lady it's a loud black lady God damn it God damn it and it's well, just. It- Mm-hmm. well what's even more what's well not even more interesting but what's also interesting is that in the daniel radcliffe version at least in the tony performance i watched she's white yeah that I'm, i was like okay so I, yeah <laughs> and like the thing is the problem that i have with people casting uh people of color or marginalized groups in these roles and white people expecting it oh it's a handout it's a role don't you want it it's oh, for it's fuck's it's sake. a there's a difference between me playing a stereotype than me playing an actual person if i'm playing mm. a stereotype i'm not i'm not helping my culture i'm 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 insisting more in the aspect of what we are pigeonholed and pegged to be um and it's the same thing. I could go in a whole different direction, but um, for now, <laughs> but for now, it, there's a difference of like, oh, you're you're a black person. You want more roles, so here's these roles. And it's like, no, I want to be equal. Equal is where it's at. Me playing a, a loud black lady who belts some time in two or three songs. <laughs> isn't you you aren't Harriet Tubman you know what I mean you have not cleared the waters or led them to freaking Canada or freedom for giving these black people these parts no you are you are setting up a type of system that just pegs black people into these roles that white people see and are like oh black people are like that and it's like no we're multifaceted beings and you writing that and portraying that is you uh, harboring and more institutionalized racism that is in this system. Thank you, Mike Drop. I am done. There it is. On that, mm. do we think the satire of this show would read better if Pierpont was played by a Black man or a man of color? Hmm. Oh, like a kind of sorry to bother you type situation with the code switch? Oh! Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I was also thinking, what if it was gender bent and they made a woman? I was oh, thinking that too. Yeah, especially I, if if a woman is singing "Brotherhood of Man." Man, oh, oh, that'd be delicious satire. Oh, oh what if it was a black yummy. woman? Oh, <laughs> oh. See, I think I think we're kind of coming up 
coming up to the root problem of the show is it is satire and some of it is good satire it's just not voiced properly no yeah, you need to give yeah. the power to the people that are not of power to make that satire work and exactly. also like kind of talking going back and talking about Mad Men because it is like a, a serious version of satire on that age you see all these white men grow up in power but also you see their comeuppance of how the times are changing and that's what's so delicious right. about it because by the end of it you're like spoiler alert you're like oh Peggy is the main character it hey. wasn't it wasn't any of these fucking white men. It was about her story and her um, basically navigating through this male-dominated field and how the culture was so toxic towards secretaries, towards people of color in that time and movement. And if it was that, it would have been more, I mean, again, Mad Men didn't come out at the time, but I feel like a lot of people are definitely smarter, <laughs> especially when writing the show. Yes. Um it could have been really cool because uh, I honestly, in a weird way, I find the time period very interesting. I don't know. That's just maybe my my gross like white male World War II mind. <laughs> where I think, I, it's really, mm. I think it's really interesting and in how we've gotten better from it. But it's not the show isn't highlighting how we can be better from it. It's how we're benefiting from it. And I don't think that's satire. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And here's just before before we move on from this um, this part of the meet, I just a lot of the things I saw online when I was researching this were high school productions of this. Mm -hmm. I do not think that it is a good idea at all to have young men, young, you know, young white men specifically, impressionable obviously, white men. young impressionable white men who are struggling enough in this stupid fucking society as it is to, to have the, this kind of behavior reinforced. Yes. It's dangerous. Like, yeah, because then, because it's that whole argument of like, oh, it's just locker room talk. We don't really talk about it. It's just, exactly. a, it's just a musical. We don't really mean it. And it's like, exactly. It's not cute. Like I was watching a, I was watching a teenage boy sing a secretary is not a toy. And I went, no, no, no. And I just shut my computer <laughs> Sir, because I was like, stop. this is not okay. I was Ugh. so upset. I'm like, you barely have gone through puberty. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> but that's also on the teachers too. Oh, I was about to say that fucking drama teacher. Mm. <sighs> As a theater educator, I do not approve. <laughs> Kyle? And, and then while they're doing that, they're getting laughs and they're getting applause and the audience is validating that behavior from oh my their God, family, sweating. from their community. <laughs> Look like, at my so son be a little proud boy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah, your son's about to become a proud boy. Ah, Fuck. Of proud boys. Ooh, good segue. Let's talk about <laughs> Jay Pierpont Finch and the He's not cute. He's not is... cute. I'm not falling for any of his bullshit. Sorry, he sorry. is a Go manipulative, ahead. conniving person that's being presented as a hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we dissect the differences between Don Draper and Finch? <laughs> what differences? Well, no, but the... the... <laughs> <laughs> but I, the mean... Thing, I mean, no, it's true. But the thing is, though, in Mad Men, you know this man is a bad dude. You know, you know, it's like he's our hero protagonist, but you're like... What you're doing is not 
great. And the people around him are like, what you're doing is not great. But right. Just, How many wives did he, did he go through that he ended up cheating on, you know, four? I lost count. I lost. Uh, yeah. But, um, mm. but with Finch, it's all these. Linda Cardellini like, is a saint. <laughs> and uh, true. And uh, with Finch, it's more of like, oh, you're quickly manipulating and rising through the ranks. That's, that's business baby. And it's like, even though it's satire, no, it's not. No. And there's no, 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 no. There is this weird thing where something about this show and that role that so many men are drawn to want to play Finch. It's like Shakespeare dudes whose dream role is Leontes in A Winter's Tale, whom if, was... if you're not familiar, is a douche. I was going to say like musical theater boys are like, I want to be Jamie. But I also okay. can't talk because Jamie has the best songs. Anyways, <laughs> I said I, it. I, I, mm, I said it. I I want I want to see two women in that show. Anyway, Casey Levy seeing Six the Goddess. <sighs> Anyways, <sorry. laughs> at that point, he in theory loves <laughs> Rosemary. He has a whole song after kissing Hetty on how much he loves Rosemary. How many times does he neglect oh. her, and how many times does he ignore her? Even after they're show? together. Yeah, like. After he gets off his fucking ass and is like, oh, you're a person. Kinda. <laughs> oh, speaking of characterization, though, Megan, you had a good point. You wanted to talk about the, the different uh, uh, JP, whatever, the white man. Yes, I do. Okay. Let's talk about stunt casting, kids. Get comfy, everybody, because we're about my to go for a talk. God. Okay, so in my preparation... You know, I watched a little bit of a bunch of different versions of this. Um, I don't think I sat through an entire performance. <laughs> no, I couldn't. It was very... <laughs> I couldn't do it. Yeah. Physically, it hurt me. Yeah. So uh, the most recent revival, first of all, fucking why? Um, <clears throat> second of all, uh, the three prominent names uh, post-Matthew Broderick in order. Daniel Radcliffe, Darren Chris. Uh, Nick, Nick Jonas, Jonas yeah. and Skylar Aston. That's that's four four pretty prominent names. Now, Daniel Radcliffe is a phenomenal actor. I'm not like he came out of Harry Potter and fucking boggled the mind, my dudes. He is a good actor. <sighs> he is a competent singer. He does not have the vocal training to do this part he was out of breath but i will say every clip i watched him in i will say though i will give him props for his dancing he killed oh his dancing is fantastic oh my god he killed in the dancing like harry potter's popping but please oh god jesus what the fuck did i just say hashtag harry potter popping Oh, all right. I gotta, I gotta be eight hundred years a, old at least once an episode. Leave me that alone. That is a for Caucasian point for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a very white person. My, I, <laughs> Sorry, I am so. I don't. I love I you. Don't tan. I freckle. Let's oh, <laughs> let's okay. just put that out there. I'm so white. Thank Whew. you for pointing that out. I'm also eighty years old. You're um, good. Oh, I'm actually 31. This is really hard for me. Um, so... <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe, amazing dancer. Right. Yeah, he, he just doesn't have the vocal training. You know, I, he, he wasn't bad. 
he just sounded like a high school performer. He just wasn't Ooh. ready. He just wasn't ready. Darren Chris was closer. This was his first um, Broadway show, right? Um, when did he do Hedwig? Like, I feel like after How to Succeed. I mean, Darren Chris kind of like made himself famous with a very Potter musical and then he was on fucking Glee and and then Hedwig and I didn't see his Hedwig. I don't know how that went. I heard it was pretty good. good. That was the bootleg but I watched. It was I don't really have anything to say about Darren Chris. Like he is a musical theater person. He he knows what the fuck he's doing. I will say for Darren Chris, it was it was definitely felt like, oh, this is my first, this is my first Broadway show. I have to he like was so enthusiastic. I was like, okay, college. I see you. I know, but Come on, so, BFA just, in Michigan. Just like a little button. Like that, like yeah. just like a little button. Little little yeah. button. But he also uh, has before... the, he has the training and the competence. I, I not saying that Dan Radcliffe doesn't have the competence. I'm just saying that uh, Darren had the training. Darren Chris has the, the training. Competence. Correct. The vocal Correct. Competence. Thank you. Nick Jonas. Um, Nick Jonas has the vocal competence, but he cannot act. <laughs> my God, it was all just you can't see my face, but just his eyebrows did not move the entire time his voice sounded gorgeous voice of an angel that boy that is why he was in a boy band with his brothers but (sighs) my god he cannot he he there was just like if he needed the vocals to carry him it worked and that's it like the dancing the singing great the acting no skylar skylar fucking aston is the only acceptable like he skylar aston is this is what he's meant to do he is a broadway performer who is briefly on crazy ex-girlfriend and was so good as greg part two um yeah skylar aston like i the videos of him i watched were um like rehearsal stuff and he was already like in it yeah holding it holding the script holding the script he was already in it like he he is a broadway caliber actor Mm-hmm. And I think, and I'm going to give Darren Chris a, a crisp second place because he is so new to Broadway specifically. But he's, you know, those those two. Well, so as far as stunt yeah. casting, Monsieur Jonas and Mr. Radcliffe. Oh no, it's the it's the <laughs> same idea of you wouldn't hire a baker to make a sword. You know, you wouldn't. I just choked on my water. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. That was a beautiful little focusism. You wouldn't. You wouldn't hire a baker to make a sword. I. I feel like Broadway. Broadway actors specifically are looked at 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 the bottom of the barrel than its voice actors. Broadway actors are fucking amazing Skylar Ashton's first gig was Spring Awakening he's been in this longer he knows and it's the problem with like the whole stunt casting for Waitress where it's like how many Jennas can we milk and it's like no I get that you want money but it's like listen that's quality over whatever the fuck you want I don't know I want a perfect yeah and it's casting like this that leads us to stuff like the, prom. the movie adaptation of the prom exactly Whoa. because broadway actors aren't respected and i don't understand why because as far as training goes theater actors i'm not i'm not trying to say that theater actors are better in any caliber than film actors because it takes a lot of different skills 
it's different. theater actors work steadily harder for longer this is a craft that we study mm-hmm. like this is a very very hard hard type of work yeah and lots of and distract from like sorry keep going no i'm just all i'm trying to say is that when you work that hard why can't why can't that be respected more yeah. you know also, especially I, if you yeah. work to create something or originate mm-hmm. a role you know but I, I, yeah no as no you're good i mean as my little, talking that's like my one little <laughs> joke thing we were those bitches at parties i go like oh my god guys who wants to play zip 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 of course we're gonna oh, we're obnoxious as fuck. No God. one's denying that. I we're hate annoying. us. I hate That's us. why we are only friends with each other. Um, <laughs> that's no. why I don't have any friends that aren't in theater at least a little bit. Because I'm just like, I don't know how to talk to non-theater people. We're yeah, so specific. But also, like, not to detract from, you know, film or, or TV actors. Right. And what I've been learning as of recently, everything is a different muscle but it all has its roots grounded to Shakespearean yes. in theater, but it's just the different branches of ways that you're exercising your body. Exactly. Um, Please don't at me. I'm not shitting on, on film actors. <laughs> My and brother also, comes in with like a chair. <laughs> joking. Um, how can people think that voice actors aren't legit to, to be able to, the voice is a fucking see. instrument. <laughs> It is an instrument, and just like learning an like a physical like instrument outside of your body, that takes a lot of work. Fuck, voice actors are legit. God damn it! It's so hard to sound believable and natural when you can't use your face. That's all I will say. I'm saying, and I I think what this all boils down to with this show in particular is that it is the perfect storm of a lot of things that have the potential to be wrong with the theater community. It has <laughs> toxic men. It has Ooh. women being used as objects. Ooh. It has a, a name that won awards, but really isn't worthy of them now. It Ooh. has all of these things that like, for some reason it keeps getting attention despite us knowing better now. And even in the theater community, especially here in Maine, we know better and we have so many people that talk about how we should do better, but we still do how to succeed. We still do Hairspray with white people. We still do all these shows that we know. Oh, don't forget West Side Story with white people. White Side Story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we... That's my favorite story. This is like the the perfect storm of everything that's wrong. And anytime this show is done, at least two or three problematic things occur with it. Mm -hmm. Because it encourages it. Mm -hmm. So... It, 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 It lays down the blanket of this is okay it's not okay so then my 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 beautiful lovelies should we do the show no okay no kyle no but i'm real curious to see it done in some of the experimental ways we mentioned earlier either with a woman playing uh jay pierpont um or a person of color in the lead role mm. or just messing with the white maleness of it that could be yeah. interesting but i don't mm-hmm. know if we need it uh i'm in the same boat of that i kind of want to see like a like a company style revival or like a little oklahoma revival where it points out and picks out what's problematic of it but puts it in a light of like hey let's be better about it um some yeah. shows 
that we can do instead, Megan? I I have one. Um, you want to talk about a uh, young upstart dudes who are running a business, amazing dance numbers and ensemble casting. I'm going to go ahead and recommend Newsies. Time to seize the day, my friends. Shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> shit. Yeah. That's one off my list. That's one off okay. my list. And kids can do that one. Yes. Just say it. You're going to do something for kids. Do newsies. You can also fuck with gender and it's fine. Like, it, it does not matter. They're orphans. <laughs> that's <laughs> sorry. That's <laughs> sorry. That's... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I mean, you like a bitch. Okay. Um, but that is my pick. My pick. Uh, if you're a college, you can do that. And if you want to explore toxic masculinity, but have it be called out. Mm, I know what you're going to say. Is dogfight. Oh, not what I thought you were going to say. Has a lot of, I, oh, do we know? I like dogfight a lot. A I'm lot. not familiar. It has, uh, it's, is it about planes? No, it's about, oh. it's about, uh, boys who are about to be shipped off to Vietnam and they hold this thing called a dog fight. And the Marine who brings the ugliest girl to the party wins the pot. <sighs> knows how toxic military culture and toxic male culture and how it is awful and gross. It's based off a movie. Uh, but the music slaps and there is a lot of dancing. And if you want men to show how awful it is, because I saw a production that did it beautifully showed how toxic masculinity is just disgusting in every way. Um, and Rose was black as well. So there was that different, but she was like, she wasn't ugly. She was just, you know, okay. uh, so okay. <laughs> it was just racism all along. But what's new uh, is dogfight. It was then, racism all along. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you don't want to do, and if that's too sensitive, if that's like too, is that, if that's too edgy for you, uh, and you don't really care about men nine to five. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Step out of the band. Okay, I'm done. All right. Less Dolly Parton in everything she does. Yeah. Kyle. Okay, Kyle. Of course um, let's let's I'm gonna go backwards. Um, if you're looking for a show to feature men, if you have a lot of men that will do, especially if you're a high school, um May, Lim Maine, is. this is for you. Lim is. Lots of white dudes. Lots of white dudes. That's that's basically what that's about. Um, if you're looking for a dance show with a jazz score that's super fun and zany and silly, Drowsy Chaperone. Oh, that's such a high school show, yeah. Oh, it is. If you could cut out the one really racist number. And it should. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've got another one that I just, it's a show I love and I've only seen it done once and I just, I just adore it. And it's, it's, if you want to do something post-World War II, um, there is a show called Over Here by the Sherman Brothers. Oh. That was opened in 1974, I believe. Um, it's a follow-up to their World War II musical Victory Canteen. Um, and it's setting on a cross-country train trip in the United States during World War II. Um, and it kind of takes a nostalgic look at 1940s America, the fashion, the music, the big bands, the swing dance. Um, 
and it quickly evolves into social commentary about the fear of dying in battle, uh, prejudice, and discrimination. Um, and it stars two women who are these singing sisters, um, and they are on the train to entertain the troops. Um, I love I like a pair of singing sisters. I love a pair of singing sisters. <laughs> Sorry, I said that weirdly. I said that weirdly. I didn't. I didn't mean it like that. But I if know, you're I, gonna take it there, then no. Fine. <laughs> uh, um, oh, but if but if Still anyone, fate. I am. If anyone does this show, though, you will get seven brides for seven brothers. With I yeah, and I will come give it to you personally. Oh no, they're all naked. Not even Xana do. Oh man. They don't deserve. They don't deserve. She jumped right past Xanadu. They don't deserve Xanadu. They don't deserve Xanadu. How dare you? Oh my God. Oh wow. You don't deserve to have the beautifulness of the song "Suddenly" or "Evil Woman." None of it. You don't get it. How about very nice Just like sprinkle all their food with raisins again, because that is hilarious. Oh, I might. <laughs> or or right. I'll go Osmosis Jones and go inside their body and just attack it. But you know. Oh no. Sorry, that's so I think anyway, that was might terrifying. Be first, I think this might be a first where we all just flat out hate the show and don't want it to be done. I don't yeah. want it. I don't want it. Yeah, there are so many other ways that there's, you know, listen, I reimaginings do, yeah. and, and revivals of musicals that like that are I, just better yeah. than this. This is just not good. I already deal with white men who think having a business major is a personality trait. I don't need oh, it. So tired of that guy. Fuck I'm, that guy. I'm not Which in one? You know I know who you are. You meant to say it's a lot. Brad. <laughs> a lot. Chad. Yeah, Chad. I, I know a Brad and a Chad. I'm studying from in, high school in, and in they're business. Both, they're both and, douchey people. Uh, and minoring in accounting. Uh, yes. I'm gonna have a startup business. It's gonna be very successful. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Um, we're we're just like an eco-friendly, like commune cooperative. Like they're anyway. Yeah. Um okay. Okay. Molly, I think we're us. Molly, help <laughs> us to a, please, a bad please, place. please get tell us, us what we're doing. Get next us week. out. I have a feeling I'm gonna cry. Please be good. Oh, I am hyped. Oh my god. Oh my god. I am hyped. This is a good show. This is the perfect show for our podcast. Um, So what you're listening to, folks, is Little Shop of Horrors. Oh my body is ready. Oh, this is this is the good show for us. Thank you, thank you, Hollywood. Oh, thanks for giving us a nice sending kisses into the ether. All right, my 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 friends, thank you for bearing with us through this episode. Please like us our our theater page on Instagram. Please like us. Please rate, review, <laughs> subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Oh, uh, give us some reviews. Like <laughs> us. Tell us we're pretty. <laughs> Baby, you look pretty now. All right. I'm Megan. I'm a hater. I'm Kyle. And tonight I was also a hater. 
I'm Chantal, and I was sexually attracted to Roxanne from a Goofy movie when I was 12. <laughs> Good night. fucking night! Oh my god! I need another drink. <laughs>